Hello and welcome to Midriff, the podcast about gender, music, and music gear. I am your host, Hillary Jones. So, as I record this, it is the day after the U.S. elections, and everything sort of feels like we're in a bit of a scary limbo. Uh, though there are many, many votes left to count. You know, though maybe by the time you hear it, things may have solidified a bit. I don't know. I delayed the episode's release by a day because I knew folks might be deep in that world, uh, which I know I am. But also, I know it's nice to have a time to, like, not think about politics for a sec as well. Uh, it's it's just wild. And I mean, we knew that this was going to happen, that this was going to go on for a few days. So I guess this is to be predicted. But but here we are. So anyway, so the, the middle section of this uh, podcast will be mostly politics free. So there's that if you want to escape for a little bit. And then at the very end, I'll dig into a couple things sort of related to that. One positive uh, political report is a local one here in Rhode Island, which is that we finally voted to change the state's name. Now, most people outside of Rhode Island, which, yes, is in fact a state and not a part of Long Island, contrary to some people's beliefs, (laughs) most people don't know that Rhode Island's full name is the State of Rhode Island and Providence Plantations. And the issue of removing and Providence Plantations from the state's name has been on the ballot a number of times in the past, and this time it was finally passed. So now we're just Rhode Island, which is great news. So Rhode Island was actually the center of the slave trade in the north, and we had a much larger role in it than I think maybe people would like to believe. So this change is a way to sort of move us out of the 1800s and into the future, And if you're interested in learning more about that, I'll have a link in the show notes that explains more. So in the gear realm, I did make some moves this week. It's been wild, including I I sold my standard scale Epiphone scroll bass, which is a beautiful instrument, but a little too large for me. Um, It just felt giant. And (laughs) I ended up buying a late 70s Baldwin era Gretsch. TK300, which if you aren't familiar, is a super weird bass. It is short scale. The headstock looks like a hockey stick and the pick card looks like it was made by Picasso. It doesn't make any sense. And that's sort of why I love it. I just love weird instruments. Uh, I don't I don't know what else to say about it. I also have a Guild Thunderbird, which is another weird bass or weird, weird instrument. I just like them. I'm attracted to weird shaped instruments. So I also, uh, once I get that going, I need to check the truss rod adjustment on it. I don't know if any folks are familiar with the Baldwin era. Uh, Gretsch's had this like weird Burns style truss rod adjustment that is very strange. And I opened it up and I was like, what is this? So I uh, sent that over to Nick Holcomb at Holcomb Guitars. And he is going to um, take a look at that. And hopefully it's that the truss rod isn't actually broken because I have no idea. We're going to find out. So. Uh, once I get that figured out, I will probably take a spin um, and post that on Instagram. I also have a Big Ears Albi on the way, which should be super fun. Got a few new Earthquaker devices pedals, including uh, a Ghost Echo, which felt very Halloween appropriate. And I absolutely love it. It is perfect. Um, it just, yeah, for, for the sound that I'm looking for, it's just the perfect amount of of creepiness in, in a reverb <laughs> while also being bright. Yeah, it's a unique pedal. 
I also got a data corrupter, which is absolutely bonkers if you've never played one. As you might imagine, if you've ever seen one or seen a demo of it, it is out of control. Uh, and I got a Swiss Things, which feels like almost the opposite. It's <laughs> I'm psyched to hook it up this week. Feels like a very practical, responsible adult piece of gear to have. <laughs> I'm excited to see what I can do to kind of like clean up my sound a little bit, add some flexibility to my board, which can feel a little bit overwhelming at times. So I'm psyched about that. Yeah, that's my gear update. I don't know. There we go. Uh, today's interview is with the awesome Ice, who is a real super shredder on the guitar, has a rad Instagram and YouTube channel where she like shares her videos about, you know, her playing videos where she just crushes it, her gear takes, her process. We also get into her experience dealing with gender and shyness um, as she's tried to create and join bands in the metal world. And we talk a bit about fan fret guitars, which was like something I've been interested in for a long time and curious about, but didn't really know much about. So that was, gave me an opportunity to investigate that a little bit more. Uh, she talks about some of the tech that she uses around recording, her endorsements by Ormsby Guitars, Earthquaker, Stringjoy, and a bunch more. Um, so before I get into that, I want to give a big shout out to this episode's sponsors, which, uh, of course, uh, first of all, are Earthquaker Devices. Huge thanks to them for being the best as always And ice also talks about um, in the interview the support that they have provided her. They're just the best. And as someone named Gooey Louie said in a comment in a demo on YouTube about their space spiral pedal, quote, I love Earthquaker devices more than I love myself, unquote. They support the podcast and you can feel good supporting them. Visit EarthquakerDevices.com for more. I also want to shout out Skylar Bats at Studio 121, who helps edit this podcast. If you need very reasonably priced studio time, editing, or other production work, beats, a jingle for your cool ad, whatever it might be, she will totally hook you up. You can find out more at Official Studio 121 on Instagram. All right, so let's head into my interview with Ice. Here we go. Welcome to Midriff. Hi. Hi. Thanks so much for being here. Thank you. Uh, so for folks who might not know you, can you introduce yourself, your name, your pronouns, and a little bit of your, your you know, a little bit about yourself and your background with music? Isol, but people call me Ice because it's short for Isol. Um, I've been playing guitar That's for... That's so perfect also. I love that. <laughs> <laughs> I've been playing guitar for around, I'd say probably eight and a half, nine years. I've been, I played in a couple bands and then I decided to go solo and write my own stuff and posted my videos online and it led to me getting endorsed with some awesome companies. So 
Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's so bonkers. Also, it's, it's like bonkers, like how much of a shredder you are. Like I've been playing for like 25 years or something and you've been playing for like eight years. I'm like, I can play a power chord. Check this out. <laughs> and you're like, uh, <laughs> but so I, I did want to ask a bit about that. So you had played in bands before. Can you talk about the process of like being in bands and what that was like versus being a solo artist now? Well, um, when I say bands, I, I, I mean like jam bands, like in the city, like bars. So I play at yeah. bars. I play with a lot of older people. I tried to be a part of a band, but it just didn't work out for me. Mm. Um, yeah, that's like a, another topic. Yeah, I'll tell you more. Like, I don't know if it's like the right time to talk about it. That's but fine. Like, I know. I would just like, I, I, I guess I was just curious if like it was a purposeful choice. If you're like, I want control of my music or if it was like, I just can't like find the right people to play with or if it was, yeah, um, you don't have, you don't have to get into detail. I'm just curious. <laughs> oh, it just, well, when I, I wanted to be in a band so bad, but it just didn't work out. I think I was too quiet and, mm. just, and I think it weirded people out. So just didn't work out. <laughs> Got it. Right. So like they kind of wanted more or like, was it a thing where you felt like you couldn't get your, your point, your voice across? I think I was just really shy growing up. I was really mm. shy and I guess people find it weird. So they didn't want me a part of the band. Interesting. Yeah. Yeah. And you're like, I'm so shy. <laughs> guess how shy I am. I'm going to put myself on the goddamn internet. Yeah. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> So, so now you have, uh, you have a YouTube channel and you post a lot of videos on Instagram. Yeah. Can you talk about like getting into doing that? I just wanted to have, I don't know. I just wanted to be, to create a space where I could express myself. And I find a lot of joy in, you know, I love guitar, but I also enjoy making videos and editing. And I like the creation process of things. So that's why I posted on YouTube and posted on uh, Instagram. Mm-hmm. Yeah. When, how long ago did that start for you? I think like 10, uh, now it's, I think it's like a 10, 11 years of YouTube. No way. Yeah. That's bonkers. Yeah. <laughs> wow. Has, I, I've seen like a, a lot of the stuff that you've done, but not, obviously you have a ton of videos, so I haven't seen all of them, but like, yeah. has there been a shift in like the amount of content or the type of content that you're putting out? I honestly, I think, well, right now I'm seeing that there's like a difference I, I personally think I do better on Instagram mm. than YouTube now because Instagram, I don't know. I feel like there's so many people on Instagram and I feel like I do better there. So I post there and it just does better. <laughs> and the videos are shorter. You don't need to bother with all the, no, I'm kidding. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah. I feel like I don't have a YouTube channel, but I feel like the, sometimes like the, having the longer form content actually seems like you're like, oh, I can just say whatever I want instead of having to squeeze it all into this short thing. Yeah. Mm. I, I like YouTube. I like to communicate through there, but it's such a battle for me because I don't really like, I mean, I like to talk, but I feel like people come to my channel to see me play. <laughs> yeah. I'm not really. You do both though. <laughs> I know. I feel like you, 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 you're saying it as though you're very shy, but I feel like you're doing a good job of like getting personal with things for somebody who's very shy. As far as like getting into the type of music that you're performing, can you talk a little bit about that? Your musical journey. My musical journey, it started in, uh, I guess, elementary school. You know, you had, I played the recorder and then. Classic, you know, classic. Yeah, the classic. Yeah, the recorder. And then it led to playing the violin, the viola, the bass. 
and eventually i think when i hit high school i wanted to play guitar because i saw a group of students play guitar and i wanted to join the class but they told me no so yeah because Wait, they said the students cool. told you no the teacher said no because the class was full. Oh, I see. Okay. So I thought it was like kids telling you that you could they couldn't be in your class. And I was like, that's not how it works. Okay. Yeah, I know. <laughs> but yeah, there's no room. And then I don't know, from that point I decided I was like, you know what, I want to play guitar. <laughs> and how old were you? High school, you said? I think it was high yeah, I think it was yeah. high school. And were you already into metal at that point or was that no. uh something that did happen guitar first and then metal? A guitar first. Interesting. Interesting. What did that look like? So you're like, I'm learning all these guitar songs. So, or I'm learning how to play the guitar and the guitar is used a lot in, in this type of music or what? I think the first video I saw like that got me into metal and I was playing guitar. I think it was kill switch engage. Mm. <laughs> yeah. Mm -hmm, they really mm -hmm. inspired me. I saw that I was like the first video. I was like, Oh my God, they're so good. They're so talented. I was like, then I started like watching them and Adam D I was such a fan of him and I was like watching his guitar skills. I was like, wow. <laughs> so you like kind of connected with that. Yeah. And they were, yeah. they were so good. And mm -hmm. I was like, and I listened to like all their albums and that really inspired me. And do you feel like a, a connection to metal beyond just the like the musical component of it or is it like I don't know I feel like I don't ex I don't listen to a ton of metal and I've like played a lot of things that are like metal adjacent but not like as squarely metal and I listened to a lot of metal in high school and stuff I'm trying I feel like the power of that can feel so intense yeah do you is that part of it for you as well yeah I just really like I like the writing process of it I just feel like it's more mm. you're more involved in it and I like being involved in the writing process. That and I was like, how do these like guitarists write these songs? Like how? Do, so that got me interested. And I'm like, okay, well, I want to do that. I want to write my own stuff. I just, yeah, that's just how I. That's why I like metal so much because everyone's so talented and they they do it themselves. From what I know. <laughs> well, I think that the proficiency piece of that is a real thing too, where it's like, you know, I have this, I want to build this skill set and I want to get really good at this. And I feel like, especially if you're coming from a place where you're like, I was playing violin um, and like more classical music, the transition to metal is actually pretty natural. Yeah. Jive free. Like, I feel like that's the, <laughs> the overlap there is, is real. It is. I think, I don't know. I think for me, like it wasn't, too hard i guess because you know you're using your hands so much i really practiced hard when it came mm -hmm. to like violin so me learning guitar it's like you know you got to be disciplined at it so it's like i was my mind was so set on it that like it just wasn't a problem yeah you're like already into the habit of practice yeah. kind of so oh, yeah. let's <laughs> i'm gonna scoot into something else we're gonna come to current okay. time a little bit now so how has your quarantine been going and how has that kind of affected your your music well i released my ep solitary and i don't know i felt like that took a lot every time i write like an album or ep it just takes the life out of me because i like i'm, I'm so <laughs> like i'm so serious about it like i put my heart into it and now i'm like yeah. i need a break <laughs> I'm going to take a nap for yeah. the rest of the year. I was like, I really worked hard. Yeah. And then like, I released a video with my friend, Kevin. We like, we woke up mm -hmm. so early in the morning to go all the way to the beach. And it was like freezing just to like record. <laughs> like <laughs> That video, I've seen the video. Oh, it is I epic. was shocked too when I was there. I was like, wow, this is really nice. And mm -hmm. 
Uh-huh. And yeah, and I was like, I was freezing. I was like, okay, I gotta go home. I need, I need to just breathe. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I think that like allowing space for yourself to, you know, to put a lot of time into something that you care a lot about, but then be like, okay, I need to relax a little bit after that, especially when you're like, so intensively focused Mm -hmm. on something. The EP came out, and then you've been sort of promoting that a little bit. So that's been part of what's been happening, too. I'm I'm planning to shoot like one more video (laughs) um, soon, probably Mm -hmm. in November. Probably going to push it to December. I'm not sure. But other than then from there, like, I'm going to plan to write, like, an album. But it's just, like, it just takes a lot out of you. Like, I don't know. When I write, I take it seriously. Yeah. I mean, so when what's your writing process like? Well, first, I like to think of a theme. Like, okay, what are we going to talk about here? And, like, Solitary was about snow leopards <laughs> because I love them so mm-hmm. much. And everything, like, all the riffs and stuff were, like, about... It, it was just like, I pictured like if I was a snow leopard and you live on a mountain, how would life be like? It would be pretty rough. Dude, that's like the most metal yeah. thing ever. Yeah. <laughs> then, yeah I, I mean, I got to think of a theme before I even write like an album. So that's just mm-hmm. how it starts. And then, and then you kind of like feel it out from there. Do you, so you, I have watched a few of your videos where you talked about like your recording and you use uh, Reaper. Yes, I use Reaper and I use yeah. Norel DSP. Mm-hmm. And that's like a, yeah. a plugin. And so when you're writing, do you usually just like work on it on your own and then kind of like record a riff and then like figure out like what you want to have in the, like for the bass and drums and stuff or how does that Um work? So for this EP, I worked with my friend Chris. So mm-hmm. I told him, I gave him my guitar parts. I wrote like, I wrote the solo and I wrote the rhythm section. And then I told him like, mm-hmm. you know, here it is. I'm recording with Norel. I told him you have to have it in Norel. Like that, that's it. Cause I don't want to be like a liar, you know, or something. I was like, okay, it's going to be in Norel. Cause he had Norel. And then he says, I could play bass. Cause he, he can play bass. He plays guitar too. And then mm-hmm. he added drums. And that, that mm-hmm. was really it. That's cool. And did you have, did he just kind of like play something and then he's like, what do you think about this? Yeah, was he it showed like that me kind of like, you know, midway yeah. what he was working on. It was perfect. So that is, it's nice when you can find somebody where it really like is that yeah. easy. And we're like in the same guitar company. So we're, he's just the nicest mm-hmm. person. So this is a, that's a good transition. Uh, so I want to start talking about gear. So we'll talk about some of your current setup, but I want to start with a little bit about like what your first guitar was and like how your gear has changed over oh, okay. the years. Okay, so my first guitar was a Yamaha acoustic. Yeah. Nice. And from there, I mean I, I got used to it. I played guitar on it. And then I was like, okay, I want an electric guitar. And then my uh, the electric guitar I got was an Ivan as RG. And yes, then yep. from that point I got a couple other random guitars like a Jackson, a Legator, and um I got an eight string Legator over there. Yeah. And then hmm. I know. Whoa. Eight string is a serious oh, yeah. commitment. Yeah. It's, it's a lot. <laughs> what else did I get? And then from that point, I noticed that my taste in guitars were getting more and more expensive. So, <laughs> and then like during that time, um, my friend Peter, he was, he was working for Ormsby. He made me an offer to be a part of Ormsby. I had to think about it, but then I was mm-hmm. like, Oh yeah, this would be pretty good because their guitars are very high end. So I was like, okay, you know what? Yeah. I'll do it. I'll and I really like Peter, and he's like a really pr- great person. So the guitars felt 
so nice. So I was like, this is when you, so you play your lavender guitar is a yeah. seven string. Yeah. And you, what do you usually tune to? Well, it's usually like standard, but my songs are mm-hmm. sometimes drop A or drop B. So Ormsby uses like a, like fan yeah. frets, right? Or yeah. multi-scale, yeah. I think yeah. folks refer to it sometimes. Yeah, like that's, I've never played, I maybe one time I've played uh, a fan fret guitar. Can you explain what that is for folks? So basically it's like, instead of having like, it's basically, it's slanted. The fretboard's a little, like, it's slanted. The I forgot, it's not the net of the guitar, but it's like, everything is slightly slanted. It's not straight. It's like... <laughs> Yeah, it's like the E, the the lower, like the, where your where your yeah. E string would be is a longer scale than where, or I'm sorry, your low E string would be is a longer scale than where your high E would Basically. be. Sorry, I'm looking at it, yeah. Right? <laughs> no, 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 that's fine. Uh, I would show everyone a picture if I could. Go on the internet. Uh, look, look at, <laughs> look at Ice's Ormsby. But yeah, so that, I was reading up on it a little bit because I was like, I, I know that there's a reason for it. And I always assumed it was mostly for playability. It turns out that actually that it's not as much about playability. Do you, do you know much about the, the purpose of a fan fret guitar? No. I just like I just played it because I was like it was just really popular at the time. So I was like, let's give it a try. Yeah. And the first guitar I got from um, Armsby was um, the Ebony Massacre one that I the brown one, and it was mm-hmm. fan fretted. And mm-hmm. a lot of their guitars are fan fretted. So I was like, okay, mm-hmm. I'll just try it. I really liked it. You yeah. dipped your toes yeah. or your fingers <laughs> in the <Yeah>. water. <laughs> yeah. So it was interesting because I looked it up because I was like, I feel like I've been having this question for a while. So I looked it up to see what the purpose of a fan fret guitar was. Apparently it is so that you can play like dropped tuning um, and use a more regular standard thickness of a, or like gauge of a string or something, I guess. So I was like, oh, that's interesting. I hadn't thought about that. So like the tension is higher or there's more tension on the lower strings because the scale's longer. And then for the, for the like higher strings, it's the scale, the tension is lighter. So you can like, you know, shred and bend and do whatever you need to over yeah, there. I, yeah. <laughs> I don't know. That's what I learned today yeah, on the it internet. It's a good job holding <laughs> like the tuning and everything and drop playing mm-hmm. drop tunings it's there you go there you go uh yeah and it's it just looks very uh shreddy and i love that you have a lavender one and oh that makes i know happy. that's my baby <laughs> <laughs> so what else as far as your um your current setup what's your current setup looking well, like since right I'm now at home it's just it's been Narell dsp i've been using the polini plugin which is like the best in my honest opinion they have like everything in there and mm-hmm. it's so good for recording and i've been I, ha- I do have like a couple Earthquaker pedals that I love so much. So I've been using mm-hmm. that on my Instagram videos and YouTube. Which of their pedals are you are you really uh, psyched I love on right the now? Rainbow Machine and the Avalanche. Mm-hmm. Those are like, and the, oh, gosh, like I also like the Transmitter and I like, I like all of it. I don't know what to say. It's just perfect. And so when you play those, are you playing into plugins or are you playing through an amp when you, when I you do that? I play that with the plugins, but... I just, yeah, I play the pedal and I just put it through, um, like Reaper. It's just really cool. Yeah. So just playing yeah. it right into your computer. I, I was watching another video of yours and you were talking about like maybe getting more into like getting an, into, uh, amps again. <laughs> yeah. Um, I'm, I'm there right now. I'm like, God, <laughs> what, what am I going to do? Um, I've been, you know, a lot of my, uh, friends who are like 
like older, they're more experienced. They were telling me like, you should get a Mesa Boogie amp, mm -hmm. a really good. And then they're telling me, cause I was looking, I've always been eyeing the EVH amps. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I never got to play it. And I'm really interested in it because I like the 5150. The PV, yeah. Yeah, yeah the PV5150. I just love those. And oh gosh, it's just hard. I'm like, my head's going to explode. I'm like, well, it's hard to know, know what to do. And then it's hard to know, like, that's like it's not a small amount of money that you have to pay for those things either. Yeah. You know, like a Mesa Boogie is very expensive. I'm sure you could get an older 5150 for a reasonable price at this point. But Mesa Boogie is like, that's a real chunk of change. Yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, they are beautiful. And yeah. I have a lot. It, it 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 kills me like every day. I'm like, I don't even know what I'm gonna do. <laughs> I understand that one thousand percent. Yeah, like the amount of time that I spend thinking about like very small details of my gear that no one else would care about or probably even notice is mind-boggling yeah <laughs> yeah it's emotional you know i don't know there's a lot to it, it is. <laughs> working you know playing into your computer while you're uh on quarantine seems like a good plan like you don't need a, a 412 in your bedroom if you're not going to be playing out anywhere right yeah and then i have neighbors. do you <laughs> oh man I wish. but i have neighbors so Oh, I hate it. Yeah. <laughs> just yeah. I don't know. See when they're not home. <laughs> I mean, everybody's home all the time. I don't know. Yeah. All right. Let's let's pop in. I, I want to talk a little bit about your experiences around like gender identities yeah. and gear. How, you know, how has that played out for you? Well, I know I stuttered in the beginning <laughs> about my experience being in a band. It was pretty hard, like, growing up. Like, I don't think people were as open as they are now. I think guys treated me not the best, to be honest with mm -hmm. you. It was just, I don't know what, I mean, obviously, because I wasn't like the guys or something. I wasn't really outgoing. And I guess I was just kind of awkward. And it wasn't, I mean, I just felt sometimes... I don't want to say bullied, but I guess cast it out I, is the word. Yeah, that makes sense. I mean, I, I feel like, yeah, if you feel like you're not being included or, or something, yeah. is that kind of what was happening? Yeah. It's, mm -hmm. I was just awkward. I was just quiet, you know? I was like, I'm here to help. I'm here to play and whatever you want to, you know, I'm here to, but they just, people didn't see it like that, I is guess. Is it because, like, it, since you were quiet, it was like you weren't in on, like, whatever jokes or whatever else was going on with like inside stuff like goofing around with the band or yeah yeah i'm just i don't even know what to say i'm just like really shy but it's nothing intentional it's just i'm just, i don't know i'm just really quiet and it's nothing like i hate anybody it's just that's just like, sure you know i'm really nice but you know but it's it's interesting because i feel like I, I think there's a lot of people who have that experience where you're you're like, I'm shy. I don't, you know, I can function really well by myself. I can create a whole YouTube channel or do whatever I want to on my mm -hmm. own. But like interacting with other people in the way that they want me to is more of a challenge. Yeah. yeah that's that's a bummer. And yeah. so have you have you noticed that happening more so you were saying you're playing kind of out in like with older folks did you notice anything different from that from playing in other bands or well i playing with older people i would i like it better see when i when i said when i wanted to join a band it was mostly like people my age and at the time mm -hmm. and they were just not really nice to me but when i played with older people they taught me so much 
and they were just really supportive, very kind. They treated me. Better. I just want I want you to have uh, happiness and find the band of your dreams. I know someone someone be in Ice's band. Oh. <laughs> I mean, or you can do solo stuff forever if you want to. But I think I want for you to to make that band love connection. I know. <laughs> There's part of us like I don't want to be like this forever, like to be alone. And, and I mean, I don't mind because you have all this freedom. Yeah. Um, but I dream of like being like a re- like a replacement for you know maybe like the black dolly murder <laughs> i know that's, Ooh. Not, that's a dream like oh my god be so happy but i'm scared i feel like because you've been so successful as a solo artist that you would be able to have more weight in a in a band setting i know because uh yeah like i i don't know what it was i tried to join a band a while back and i already had my youtube channel going had everything going and i was they didn't want some group that i auditioned for didn't want me in their band because they said we feel like you're more of a oh, solo act yeah mm-hmm, so mm-hmm. I was like, okay. oh now you're gonna outshine them that's uh, what they're worried about oh my goodness wow this is complicated yeah i'm like okay that's fine <laughs> like uh, that's fine with me so how much of that do you think is connected to like gender do you think that, that there's that's a part of it or not it could be i think so yeah maybe because i'm like a girl because i don't know because i would join like an all-male band like all guys and, mm-hmm. you know, I think they find it awkward. And I don't know why. I'm like, why are you guys overreacting? I'm just here to, like, do my part. And you guys are, like, taking it. I don't know. I, I feel weird. like there's a piece of being in a band that can be like this, like, and it works differently, I think, depending on who's in the band. But I feel like for some people, it can be almost like a bonding experience. Mm-hmm. And if there's a bunch of guys that want to have a bonding experience and they feel like they can't, like, have that with a woman yeah. in it or something, I don't know. It could be. Yeah. No, you're right. Cause I, yeah. I don't, <laughs> no, I don't right. know what your experience was, but that's, that's, I feel like that comes up sometimes. It's true. Yeah. Cause you know, I've just, I know that I could be very shy and you know, bands are usually the, yeah, they bond, they have something in common and you know, I was just very shy. So I guess it just didn't fit. Have you, have you played with women before? Um, oh my gosh. I mean, yeah. I mean, I played in <laughs> bands that were like mixed at the time yeah. and I, I loved it. It was wonderful. It was definitely wonderful. Mm-hmm. Um, but again, it was like temporary. I was like going through a lot at the time. So, but it was a good experience. All right. So let's talk a little bit about the gear piece of that. So when you've gone like into shops or things like that, into a music store, have you like, what have been some good experiences you've had around around that and, and related to gender um, and identities? Well, it's kind of, can I just say like when I go to Guitar Center, <laughs> I just feel like people walk right past me. <laughs> yeah, but mm-hmm. um, yeah, I just I just feel like, I don't know what to say it here. It, it is kind of, I mean, I would rather shop online to be honest with you. <laughs> I feel like I have a better experience. <laughs> so why, why would you rather shop online? Because I don't have to be walked right past by someone and people like saying like, oh, who's this for? I'm like, it's for me. Why are you telling me, you know? I would, I, I have a good friend though that works like in Guitar Center. So if I need anything, I go to him mm-hmm. and he's like the only, yeah, Gotta he's like up. the only person I run to <laughs> if I need something, but you know, it's just usually they walk right past me when it comes to like gear and stuff. Mm-hmm. And I was like, and then I'm like, I rather just buy online. I don't have to deal with this. And you're like, I am an endorsed artist. <laughs> <laughs> I don't have to take this. <laughs> oh no. <laughs> what is, what, I, I'm joking. Uh, what, what is, what has your experience been like with uh, like endorsements? Oh, it's, it's been beautiful. I mean, 
people are very kind and honestly is really great i've never experienced anything like that like we all talk to each other i don't know mm -hmm. anyone like i don't know any other company that all the artists talk to each other i'm not too sure if that's like a thing but we all talk to each other and we're all supportive of each other that's it so is nice. it's amazing and then like perry who's the owner he talks to all of us like about what's gonna happen and it's just so organized and everyone's like very talented and that's how i found like chris chris is part of the group and he helped me out i needed some help and he offered to help me and it's it's really nice and then earthquaker they are so nice too i keep saying everyone's nice because they really are i just never i'm like you guys are i rest, i don't have to go to guitar center anymore <laughs> That's, I mean, it's awesome that you have folks that are kind of like in your mm -hmm. corner when you're not having that experience elsewhere. Yeah. Sounds like you have like this sort of like stark contrast between those experiences of like going into a space and getting ignored versus going into a space and that, and, or not a, an actual space, but maybe the internet or wherever, maybe, I guess an actual space if you're going to like yeah. NAM or something where people are like, really like making you feel good and paying attention to you. Yeah. I mean, the companies, they, I mean, sometimes I get scared to speak up about, you know, if I have a question about business, like advice, I get nervous to ask because I feel like, oh, they're going to tell me to, to go away or anything. I just get nervous. I make assumptions, but the people at Earthquaker, I asked like Anna for advice and about how to be better and what should I do to be better. Like, and she was just giving all these, you know, links about um, where I could go to get, you know, meet other people musically. And she was just very supportive. I oh, I Anna's know. the best. That's <laughs> yeah. so great. Yeah. I mean, and it's, it's, it's great that you have, that you have that experience because I feel like some people it's like no matter, like, it's almost like people can, um, get turned off from being involved in music mm -hmm. at all if the only experience they're having is that like I'm going into a store and getting ignored as far as um your musical influences one of your videos you were talking a little bit about having kind of a, a range of musical yeah. influences but that in metal in particular like people really are very focused yeah. on metal <laughs> and that like talking about other genres can is not really a thing as much yeah. Growing like well, I had to say I'm growing, but you know, being in metal, it's I'm not gonna lie, it's been pretty difficult at times because I've faced a lot of I would say I wouldn't say like socially, I got shut out for being open to music, not just metal, but when I shared how I felt with certain people in the metal scene, they would they weren't too kind to me. I'll just say that. And I don't Ooh. yeah, it, it was something I experienced and it hurt me for many years. So I'm I'm in this weird I don't want to say weird stage because I'm so into the music aspect and the creation process of music I don't really care about the image part I don't really care about like it's just not it's not the number one priority for me I'm more into like creating something mm -hmm. special so I'm I just feel like now in quarantine like I'm going through this change where like I'm gonna say what I like and if you don't like it you could go and I, I there's a lot of <laughs> there's a lot of artists that are not just metal that inspired me and it's it's just like it's right. just how i grew up it's just like there's so many artists that inspired me so deeply and it's like why would i exclude them just to be a part of a group of people to be accepted that that's ignorant like i can't i can't do that right how do you how do you think uh that the your uh, additional like non-metal influences have influenced your current playing i think 
I'm playing, I mean, I am like, I think I told you, I'm like, I'm working on something new for next year, but it's like, I'm more into like ambient, more, I guess, more feminine side of music. And I'm, I definitely want to add that more into like what I'm doing. And I don't know when I, for my song, I forgot. I, I shot a video, like I forgot. I wore a dress for one of it. I know like I, I got Mm-hmm. Some people liked it and some people didn't, which was crazy. But it's like, I want to be more of myself. I don't know, like musically, I want to add more ambience to it, maybe more and more like piano. And mm. I, I'm just going through like, some changes and it's hard to like put into words, but it's like, I want to be who I really am now as an artist. Right. So feeling like you're able to to represent all sides of your identity instead of just being in this like one very specific box of metal that people are trying to put you yeah. in kind of I don't know I I love metal like but part of me is like I love music in general right. yeah that's right I like the idea like it's interesting that you're talking about the the ambient piece which I feel like that's interesting because I feel like you I've heard you talk about like how you're really into yeah. like delay and so that makes a lot of sense and obviously I think some of your music already has a very ambient side to it but I think that like yeah you should be able to play whatever type of music you want playing whatever you want like you know or you know wearing whatever you want like you should be able to wear a dress and play metal and that should be totally fine you don't have to just wear you know a black t-shirt for the rest of your life (laughs) I say that as someone who's wearing a black t-shirt right now but I am more than this black (laughs) t-shirt people yeah, I'm over it too. I was like, you know what? I don't know. I was just like, I'm old. I don't, I'm just not into wearing black. The color, I mean, it's just, it, mm-hmm. honest, I'm not trying to be mean, but it just doesn't make me feel good. I'm like, I like, I like flowers, no. you know, I like green. I like nature. That That's who I am. Yeah. I mean, and that's, you know, and I feel like in some ways that allows you to create something new yeah. and different because you're, you're, you have this other piece of you that is, that is there that you might want to represent in the music whereas like instead of just doing the same thing that everyone else is doing yeah i feel like it's the ability to expand your creativity is as a result of yeah really i don't know i just feel like i've been going through a lot of you know reevaluating of music and uh, it's i don't know i just feel like have a change of direction thinking i don't know how to say this it's just i i'm changing and i don't i don't want to be the same person that you know yeah what kind of what so you what you said ambient are there other types of things you'd like to you said ambient and piano is there anything else you want to be incorporating more of in your music that you haven't been able to do I so wish far? I could have something like have the harp involved. <laughs> yeah. Ooh, yeah. <laughs> that would be awesome. There's some folks that do some really rad stuff with harps on on Instagram and whose names I can't remember. I don't know if you've seen any no, of this. No, I haven't put there's some pedal companies that I'm trying to remember who that that have some just like amazing harpists. I'll send you a link and maybe I'll put them in the um in the no- show notes as well. But like that they just like ma- they just shred on these harps and they run all these cool pedals through oh, them. Wow! Is there like something maybe gear related that you've learned that you feel really proud of that you were like I don't think I'll be able to do this, but now I can do it and I feel great. I haven't mastered it, yet, but recording on my own, yeah, mm-hmm. and learning like. I got over the years, I, I will say this, like working with my friend Mark and my friend Chris, they are the two, like they taught me so much and about like, if you do it wrong, do it again, do it again, do it again till it's right. right. And that didn't make sense until like recently when I took, you know, my CDs, like 
seriously. It's like, if you want to be good, you got to do it right. And they were telling me like, right. if it's wrong, you got to do it again. You have to make sure there's no extra sound when you play and all that. As far as the extra sound piece is concerned, you have also, and I, I see a lot of folks, especially that play like the fan fret guitars, have that piece that they put at the top oh, of the, the, by the nut. Uh, fret wrap. Uh, yeah, I think it's like, what. So what does that exactly do? It mutes extra sound. Any like, because I know that we, like metal players have their gain really high and you hear mm -hmm. all that extra noise yeah that's to mute it but you know what if you tell someone older like anyone who's been in the game for so long they're going to say like why do you need that thing <laughs> take it <laughs> off like <laughs> so it's supposed to keep your get your strings from ringing is that what it yeah. is interesting yeah i i i it's for i guess if you're like playing super precise stuff you don't want another string to keep ringing while you're playing or something yeah yeah. So what what else are you psyched? You talked a little bit about some of the things that you're working on. So what else are you what else are you psyched about? What's coming up for you near to long term? I guess however you want to address it. I am anxious to work with my friend Luna. She's a, mm. a vocalist in L.A. She's oh, cool. with the, a metal band, but she's like she reminds me of Doro and Lita Ford. Like come yeah, on. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so I was like, I can't. I'm, I'm talking to her right now and saying like, hey, can you like work with me? <laughs> Finding people to play with. You're you're already doing it. <laughs> so if you were talking to like folks in the music or music gear industry, like whether it's like you know somebody in the gear mm -hmm. industry, other bands about making change in the industry to make it better. What would you tell them? I think they should incorporate other genres that have all faces and all people with backgrounds. Mm -hmm. And we wouldn't be having like a conversation about, you know, equality and all that. It's like, it's so simple. It's like, it's, I don't know why it's still being like a problem. Like, it's like, there's the answer, like include everybody. Well, it's interesting because I feel like when I oftentimes hear from people who are like, well, I just don't know where they are. Where are they? I'm using air quotes, you know. Uh, <laughs> and and that's the funny thing. It's like, I don't know if people are just like too, it, it's too hard for them to find anyone that they don't already know or that isn't exactly like them. I'm not really sure. But people see, it seems to be a, a hurdle for people somehow. I think people are kind of like stuck in their ways. Yeah. I <laughs> yeah. mean, and I get it. I totally get it. It's easier to find people that are like you you're probably interacting more in your life with people who are like you mm -hmm. but and so it makes it easier to just reach out to them but it seems like just like a, a little little tiny bit more work would get people there yeah one thing i was wondering so when you've done live performances because most of the time when you're performing you're performing like on your when i've seen you performing it's been on your on youtube or in a video uh on instagram uh when you perform live is how is your style different when you do a live performance versus like something for YouTube or Instagram? Well, when it comes to like my songs, I, I just feel like it's the same thing, you know, mm -hmm. very simple. I, I always tell people I'm just so simple when it comes to like live stuff. It's just like my guitar, my amp. And cool. Who else do you think I should interview? Who else should be a guest on Midriff? Well, there's guitar. I don't know if you heard Guitar Gabby. Have you heard that sounds her? familiar. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yes. She's really good and she's really nice. There's, you know, Ghetto Songbird. She's like amazing. She she played like she went to Africa and played, which is like amazing. Oh, cool. Who else? There's Sarah. Uh, wait, with um, yeah, Sar Sarah jo Joanne. She's with Ormsby too, but she's like really popular guitar player. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's great. I always love hearing about people 
who I might not already know about. So that's rad. Awesome. All right. So this is the most important question, which is how can listeners stay in contact with you or hear more from you? Follow me on YouTube and Instagram because I mostly upload there like weekly. Uh, YouTube.com slash Color Ice 09. And then my Instagram is the same name, Color Ice 09. And yeah, you could find me on those little sites. Cool. All right. Ice, thank you so much for taking the time to talk to me today. All right. Thank you so much, Hillary. Awesome. Thank you. Bye. Bye. It was so awesome to get a chance to talk to Ice. She's doing such cool stuff. And I just loved hearing about her process and especially like her shift and mindset with a quarantine as a person who self-identifies as shy. That was just super interesting to me. And, you know, so you should definitely check out her Instagram, her YouTube pages, keep up with her. She rules. And... To follow up, I I had also mentioned in the interview a few rad harpists whose names I had blanked on, but I wanted to specifically mention some of those folks. So I was thinking of Mary Lattimore, Nyla Hunter, and uh, Lara Samagni. I think that's how you pronounce it. I'm sure there are other cool harpists doing things with pedals, uh, but these are the folks who are on my radar. So I'll have links to them and to Ice's links in the show notes in addition to Midriff's Instagram and Facebook, if you want to keep up between episodes. So I want to dig in for a sec on something, both music and politics adjacent and connected to some of the other things I've been discussing recently around masculinity uh, on the podcast. So on Sunday, I'd heard a ton of honking outside of my house, just super loud, and I, I immediately knew what it was. It was a Trump caravan. And I knew this because they had come by once before, maybe like a month or two ago. And I ran outside because it was going on for a while. I was just like, what is this? And that's what it was. And when it happened again, I was like, okay, it went on for a while. Like, I don't know, at least 10 minutes, maybe 20 minutes straight of honking. So they're giant loud trucks with flags and people yelling It really screamed one thing to me, which is precarious manhood. And yes, this is an actual psychological term. When when psychologists discuss manhood, they often discuss the fact that compared to womanhood, which once again, yes, this is all very binary. So I apologize for that. But this is how it has been researched thus far. It is a much more unstable trait. So masculinity is more unstable. Uh, or manhood is more unstable. So in order for high masculinity to be maintained, one has to consistently engage in masculine or manhood demonstrating behaviors, right? So if you're someone who doesn't align your self-esteem with manhood or you feel confident in who you are, then you're fine. doesn't really matter. But if you are someone who, for whom like masculinity is a big part of your identity and you don't feel confident in it or are threatened at its like potential loss, you might be in a constant fight throughout your life to demonstrate it to yourself and to others. That's a lot. So, you know, this will likely surprise no one who was ever in middle school when this behavior seems to rear its head the most in the form of like boys calling each other feminine or homophobic slurs or roughhousing or getting into fights or whatever. Identity is fragile for pretty much everyone in middle school 
And the problem is when identity never really solidifies and this behavior continues into adulthood or, for example, into the presidency. (laughs) Of course, this is all like housed within systems of oppression that reinforce the value of manhood or masculinity over femininity, which makes it harder to address or change. And I've mentioned this on the podcast before, but I I highly recommend the podcast Seen on Radio's Season on Men. Their season on whiteness is great as well. They're just great. But there's one story in the Season on Men that I can never really shake, and I think about it all the time. There are interviews with a father who lives in a very progressive East Coast college town, and he and his wife have raised his son to be very open to ideas about gender identity and about sexuality. But when the son gets to middle school, all the boys still call each other these super gendered and homophobic names, like all the boys that he hangs out with. But when you ask the boys about it, they totally think that LGBTQ folks should have equal rights, that they should not experience harassment. And according to at least one queer kid in their school, you know, they don't experience harassment. Um, So it seems that the boys at school have... Like they focus on calling other heterosexual boys these names without targeting the queer kids. And the name name calling in this case really is just to demonstrate masculinity to each other and to themselves. It's like a totally internal experience. And, you know, by, by calling someone gay, you are inherently saying that you are not gay and therefore separating yourself from them. The whole thing is wild. And obviously that's specific to that experience. And I, I think that obviously... There are many spaces where they're not just calling each other that in the world. Uh, And but I think the fact that they were in this space where that was the case is is telling. So this like in-group policing is seen within many predominantly male heterosexual groups, including, of course, in music. And anytime someone makes an inference about one's masculinity on a discussion board when talking about a particular band or whatever, That's what's happening. They're demonstrating their own precarious manhood, and they're demonstrating it all over the place. So what's the impact of this, right? Like, I I spent a lot of time in the last episode talking about the impact of the patriarchy on men, and you can imagine how that plays out here, right? So cis men feel like they can't truly be themselves or engage in any behavior that might be labeled as feminine or gay, And cis women, trans and non-binary folks feel like their identities are devalued. All of this to prop up someone's unstable masculinity. So whether this is happening at a Trump caravan or on a discussion board or in a music store or a band practice, it's important for dudes to recognize the harm of this behavior and that engaging in it is really like signaling insecurity rather than dominance. Gender isn't a game where you constantly need to be the winner and that that can hurt you and that can hurt others, right? Calling out other men on their behavior so that this doesn't happen can normalize the fact that precarious manhood is harmful and normalize more caring and support among and between men. All right. If you enjoy the podcast, please take a sec to rate and review it on Apple Podcasts so more people can find out about it. I appreciate you listening. Thanks so much.